Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. A listener note. Today's episode contains explicit content that some may not feel comfortable in hearing. You completely understand if you skip this one and join us for our next Undiscovered Story. Back in the 1980s, in the United States, dark and evil forces were supposedly at work, manifesting in the shadows and threatening the wholesome, all-American way of life. Allegations began surfacing that satanic rituals were becoming more and more commonplace across the country. Claims of both sexual and physical abuse by satanists and practitioners of the occult sparked a moral panic throughout American society. But was Satan grappling to take over the land of the free and home of the brave? Well, with the culmination of a certain chain of events, many truly believed that to be the case. Firstly, the penning of the Satanic Bible by Anton LaVey, credited as being the modern father of Satanism, and the establishment of his Church of Satan in the late 1960s. The Reverend Anton Zandor LaVey, who is the founder and high priest of the First Church of Satan, LaVey, uses uh, as somewhat of a credo this timeless quote, remember, evil backwards spells live. Then, a rise in serial murders in the 70s and their supposed links to the occult. This was compounded with a sudden wave of popularity for blockbuster films like The Exorcist. Somewhere between science and superstition, there is another world. The world of darkness. Musicians were also criticized for satanic messaging hidden within their lyrics. The most prominent example being Stairway to Heaven by Led Zeppelin. If played backwards, you get... Oh, here's to my sweet Satan. There was a little path who would make me sad, whose power is Satan. He'll give those with him 666. All of this led to a peculiar moment in history, now more commonly known as the Satanic panic. But this wave of paranoia and fear didn't end there. Concerns around satanic ritual abuse, or SRA, infecting decent society were spreading globally, and by the early 1990s had made it to the UK. Multiple cases of SRA were reported concerning child abuse specifically, which led to children being removed from their homes and put in protective custody. It became a hotly debated issue in the country calling into question 
the ability of social workers and police who pursued these cases. But this story is about more than an ongoing campaign against satanic practice in this country. We're going to explore the devil in the detail and unpack the issue through the lens of moral and religious interpretation. What exactly is Satanism today? I'm Jake Warren, host of Undiscovered, the podcast that brings you the stories you didn't know you cared about. Stories that never quite break the formulaic loop of the everyday news. The battle between good and evil has always been Jesus versus Satan. Stories that are harrowing, challenging, and in some cases, even a little tricky to wrap your head around. They are doing what they believe is the requirements of their religion. Stories that explore issues that are ignored, forgotten, or quite literally, undiscovered. We feel that if people can do terrible things in the name of God, that we can do amazing things in the name of Satan. All right, let's get into it. During the height of this satanic panic, the panic being referred to was largely perpetuated by lawyers, therapists, and social workers dealing with the victims of SRA. This in turn was picked up and magnified by the press. The row over ritual child abuse in Rochdale is back in the headlines with an inquiry about to produce its interim report. But is there really any- Despite this, however, governmental reports concluded that the majority of these cases had no strong affiliation to satanic or occult practice. The cases were reframed with less emphasis on devil worship and more emphasis on the actual abuse that had taken place. But some of those who claim they are victims of such abuse advocate for a change in how SRA cases are treated and prosecuted. There is currently no explicit law against satanic abuse in the UK. The story SRA victim and campaigner Vicky Ash tells me of her childhood is hard to hear. The memories of everybody wearing black cloaks and chanting round me. The one thing that was always said was punisher, punisher, punisher. Those were the words. I was burnt, I was made to bend in front of the fire, the poker was put in the fire and I was branded. Vicky grew up in the north of England, on the outskirts of Manchester, in an area called Saddleworth, a small rural community of villages sprawled across green moors. However, this idyllic image that your mind may conjure isn't to be, as according to Vicky, her childhood was marred with abuse. So the memories that I have of the abuse took place, of being taken out at night, of being drugged, all those memories, when you're a child, you don't know what's happening and the family that you've grown up in, you, you think that that's what happens with every family. It wasn't until years later that she feels she managed to piece together a past that she had repressed to truly understand what she had experienced. I'd suppressed a lot of memories under the age of 14. As I got older, I had a lot of symptoms symptomatic behaviour of abuse. I had an eating disorder, 
drinking constantly, escaping, exercise addiction, problems with intimacy within my marriage, a lot of fear, a fear of God, which was absolutely inc incredibly ridiculously off the scale of my fear of God and fear of being punished and the level of control over me even into my 20s was now I look back was just absolutely abnormal and with the satanic ritual abuse in your childhood who was involved uh, family um, gynecologist psychiatrist, doctor, within any coven, you will have people in, in professions. So that, that works well in covering up what goes on. So you'll have policemen. And obviously they wear dark cloaks, so you can't see their faces. And you're drugged, so you wouldn't have a memory of being there. So you, you know from experience of what happened to you that people throughout your childhood in positions of power, whether it be family members, doctors, policemen, people who are responsible and supposed to look after you were actually working in tandem in a coven to abuse you in the name of Satan. Yes, and there's been evidence to corroborate that since. You said that, um, you know, through this journey of discovery that you were realised and were told that a history of witchcraft and occult activities and Satan worship was within your family. Have they ever admitted that? One family member has talked to me about it, but has said that it's easier for them to live in denial. After coming to terms with what took place, she has turned her life around, she says. At 54, she's a professional beauty therapist with her own business. She's married with three children and also runs her own Christian ministry. Vicky has also become a passionate and vocal advocate for other victims of satanic ritual abuse. Good afternoon and welcome to UK Column Live. I'm Brian Gerrish and I'm going to be interviewing Victoria Ash. Vicky uh, is an SRA survivor. She's an, a survivor of satanic ritual abuse. What we'd like to achieve together this afternoon for people to be able to realise that this is a very real problem in the UK. And of course, I'm here to protect children and it's not about my life, it's about protecting children. And if you're a Satanist, that's fine. But what the practices of Satanism, serious Satanism, are against the law, that is my issue. I have a busy life, I've a wonderful life, and I've, I wouldn't say better things to do, but you don't choose to talk about this subject. You don't choose to, to air your dirty washing in public. But I live today not ashamed, and I live today for the sake of helping that one person that has not had the uh, opportunity that I've had to get free. But being such a vocal figure on the subject has left Vicky open to much criticism, denials of her experiences, and even receiving intimidating threats. I was told that if I ever tried to take my abuser to court, I would end up in a mental home. I was also told that I would be taken to social services and my children would be taken off me. The problem is people are so afraid to speak out because of the consequences, the threat to your job. They are so afraid, but as a Christian, I'm not afraid. I walk in faith. That's why I can speak to you today. I cannot speak for anybody else except my own testimony. I can't speak for anybody else, but there are already cases 
of satanic ritual abuse that have been prosecuted and have been won. There are many, many victims all over this country that I've never met. In fact, I've not met them, but have had the same symptoms as me, so that's a coincidence, isn't it? And my issue is that there are people who are trapped in Satanism, rather like being trapped in the Mafia, who don't want to be in it. I am a voice for those people, and I am a voice for the innocent children that it's happening to, of which I obviously once was. Vicky says she has been able to process and understand the abuse that she has suffered throughout her childhood, through her strength of faith. The battle between good and evil has always been Jesus versus Satan. Satanism is a religion. Satanism is a belief. Whether you're brought up in a Muslim family, whether you're brought up in a Christian family, whether you're brought up in a satanic family. But the satanic rituals, as I said earlier, that are part of the worship of Satan are against the law. Although this may seem like murky territory, she believes that Satan pervades every evil action undertaken, whether consciously or otherwise. For Vicky and others continuing their efforts to fight SRA in the UK, the bottom line is the legality and the reframing of the abuse so that it is understood to be part of devil worship, not just a despicable crime. So I guess there's a key distinction to be made, which is that someone who is actively committing a an abuse, whether it's sexual or physical or emotional against someone, proactively in the name of Satan. I am doing this to you because I am worshipping Satan to actually someone who is just committing an act, but perhaps subconsciously or subvertly it being satanic. See, you're, you're asking me, and, and I've got to explain to you from a Christian perspective, of you're going right back to the beginning of where does evil come from? Even the word devil comes from the word evil. After the national hysteria of the satanic panic gradually disappeared from the news headlines in the 90s, what was left were those claiming the child abuse allegations were SRA. However, they were met with resistance from many who were dismissive of the existence of devil worship being a genuine, systemic issue in society. In a largely secular country, where only 7% of the population attends church, the idea of Satan, the actual devil himself, isn't considered the most pressing of concerns. Because I think that people are still trying to cover up that even Satanism exists. So you say that uh, the reason we don't have laws set against satanic abuse is because... No, I, I, would, no, I won't say that that's what I've said. I'm suggesting that that might be a reason that we haven't got a satanic law. Perhaps the reason. It doesn't matter whether you think the devil exists or not. The key issue here is that they think that they are pleasing him by doing these things and that they will be rewarded for it. This is Wilfred Wong. I'm a former barrister and I have worked for the last 26 years on children's issues, a lot of it to do with child protection. And in the course of this work in 1993, I was asked to meet a person who was helping survivors of Satanist ritual abuse, otherwise referred to as SRA. And I've been working on that issue ever since. And this has involved campaigning, research, investigations, meeting a lot of SRA survivors, hearing their stories, 
in many cases, also seeing the difficulties, the great difficulties they have in trying to get justice against their abusers and the great indifference on the part of many uh, police forces on this subject. And for people that, like myself perhaps, who don't, uh, aren't familiar with SRA or satanic ritual abuse, what exactly is satanic ritual abuse? It is a brutal form of abuse involving sexual abuse, physical abuse, and psychological abuse against children and vulnerable adults. It is normally conducted over a long period of time uh, rather than as a one-off. So the victim is repeatedly subjected to the abuse and it is a, a very multiple form of abuse which involves not just sexually abusing the victim but also torturing the victim and psychologically torturing the victim as well as physical. And of course, the key element in all this is that these abuses and tortures are all done in the context of Satanist rituals uh, because those who perform it believe that this will please the devil whom they worship, that they will get more power and be blessed by the devil for doing such things. So there is also a religious motivation this might be a difficult concept to wrap your head around, but Wilfred goes on to explain the significance of abuse in the context of satanic worship. So there is also a religious motivation in the conduct of SRA. It is not simply a case of pedophilia, where there's a strong sexual attraction, although some satanist ritual abusers are pedophiles, but many of them are not. They are doing what they believe is the requirements of their religion. Wilfred's research has led him to examine graphic details of some of the worst crimes imaginable, which he argues are made worse by the fact that they are conducted in a quest to unlock some sort of evil, demonic power. This is normally done in secret at night, and it is done as a group, as a Satanist coven, and it also can involve, on some occasions, human sacrifice or animal sacrifice, and the eating of the victim that has been sacrificed. And unfortunately, the reasoning behind all these horrors is the ruthless pursuit of power, which is at the heart of Satanism. The issue for Wilfred is not that all Satanists do SRA, but that a lot of them do it and are not being brought to justice. This creates a huge problem, he says, especially in the UK, where this subject has been buried for decades and there are clearly no defined laws. So what distinguishes the horror of child abuse as particularly satanic? One common testimony by SRA survivors is they might bury the child in a box in the ground. That is to strike terror into the child because the child is in this crammed little dark box, doesn't have any idea if they are going to bring the box up again or just leave the child to die and suffocate under the ground. Um, the other practices in the midst of these Satanist rituals can include hanging the child on hooks, that's another common thing, or putting the child in a cage like an animal. And these are all designed to put great fear and despair into the victim, which they feed off and which they offer to the devil. And they believe they will 
be rewarded for that. It doesn't matter whether you think the devil exists or not. The key issue here is that they think that they are pleasing him by doing these things and that they will be rewarded for it. So sometimes outside the rituals, they may decide to do some of these abuses. And that could be considered as SRA in the sense that although it's not in the context of a particular ritual, you know that the motive of the person doing it is because it's part of her belief system. What concerns Wilfred and other SRA campaigners is that it is not enough to solely focus on the A, the abuse. There should be equal focus on the S too. The names in which these crimes are undertaken is important and horrifying. Another issue for them is that the UK law doesn't go far enough in not having distinct anti-SRA laws, whereas America does. The problem is not many have bothered enough to want to do this. Unlike, say, in the United States, where there is a lot more openness about talking about SRA, and in some of the police forces, they even give specialist training to police officers to deal with such crimes, which is unheard of in this country. It's interesting to note what you said at the beginning, that for one reason or another in this country, we don't have laws against satanic rituals. We obviously have laws against abuses. And so the people who were found guilty of perpetrating those heinous acts and those heinous crimes, they were sent to jail, rightly so, because of the sexual, emotional, physical, psychological abuses that they were tormenting people with, rather than it being, you know, in a pentagram uh, made out to the devil or the fact that it was committed with a satanic altar knife you know, doesn't make it any more, you know, heinous than the fact it was any kind of knife. So my question for this is, what do you think it takes for anti-satanic laws rather than just anti, you know, abuse laws? I think one good thing about that would be formal recognition of this extensive problem in the UK. Because unfortunately, although that list has 10 successfully prosecuted cases, for every one successfully prosecuted case, you can be sure about it, there are dozens, if not more than dozens, which never go to prosecution. And the other good thing about having such a law is that the penalty can be increased because I think there's a lot of concern in this country that the current state of the law on child sex offences is not a very strict penalty. According to Wilfred, the deliberate torture of these children and the mere fact of them witnessing the sacrifices should include, at the very minimum, an increased prison sentence. When I meet SRA survivors years after they've grown up and they still got the terror, they still got the, the nightmares and, and the damage is very serious to their psyches. And it's a kind of overall damage, sexual, psychological, physical in some cases as well. So it tends to strike a lot more fear and terror into the victim. It tends to make the victim much more seriously damaged. I have met a lot of SRA survivors who suffer, for example, from dissociative identity disorder, which is a fragmentation of the personality because they just can't cope with the horror. So their personality fragments as a survival mechanism. It's more a survival mechanism than an illness. 
Wilfred feels, however, there would be consequences if SRA were not to be distinctly recognised in the law. It's not unusual as well for SRA victims to eventually commit suicide. Uh, sadly, because people don't accept what has happened to them, and I see that as a form of secondary abuse. They're being abused a second time when they go to people with their stories seeking help or seeking justice, and all they get is a cold shoulder because there's this general indifference and denial of the existence of SRA. He believes there are corrupt powers at play who seek to discredit those trying to bring the underreported SRA to light in the UK. We always need to remember that there are very powerful vested interests involved in silencing the voices on exposing SRA. And you've got to ask yourself, why is there such a systematic and extensive and dogged attempt over the years to bury this subject? I would add that we have people at very different levels of society, including professionals, journalists, who have a lot of influence within the media. We have people in the civil service, people in the police. I've had reports of police being seen at rituals doing satanic abuse with specific names of certain police officers, some of whom were quite senior. The, the problem is that because of decades of not dealing with this issue, since at least the 80s, although the issue goes further back than that, they have been able to expand their practices and to get into different strategic levels of our society. This is where the story takes on a conspiratorial element. The truth being, we have no evidence to support Wilfred's claims that there is a coordinated effort from those entrusted in positions of power to suppress SRA becoming public knowledge. But it is also true to say that doesn't mean it doesn't happen at all. The issue stems from viewing Satanism through a literal religious interpretation. If every single bad act ever committed was subconsciously under the influence of the devil, then how on earth can we ever distinguish in law what is SRA and what isn't? Is the only clear path to focus on the abuse rather than the context? Both Wilfred and Vicky maintain that no good can come from Satanism. If they were good, why would they hide behind a veil of darkness and the associations that go with it? Why subscribe to the symbolism? I sat down with one of the leaders of the Satanic Temple International to explore exactly what it means to be a bona fide Satanist. So I'm Zeke Apollyon, and I am one of the founders and also the High Cardinal of the Satanic Temple International. Zeke explained what it actually means to be a practicing Satanist. So Satanism is really, I always say that it's a love affair with the self. Um, it's a recognition of the role of the self in affecting personal changes, being able to impact the world around you. Um, it's a divestment of sorts from the idea of outside powers where you're really able to not make excuses for why your life isn't a particular way. It isn't because of God's plan. It isn't because of, you know, the government, um, you know, or maybe it is. It's about ownership. It's about personal ownership and sovereignty and about, um, you know, being 
diligent, um, you know, and having personal integrity um, in the way that you deal with yourself, both kind of in the world around you and also that in managing that internal life that you have as well, you know. There's a, um, an idea of what Satanism is that's portrayed by Hollywood movies, which is, I'm sure, how most people think of Satanism. You know, I'm thinking of The Exorcist when her head spins around 360 and, right. you know, other films of that nature. Right, Rosemary's Baby, where yeah. they're like, he has his father's eyes. <laughs> All of those good ones. How does that actually compare in reality to what Satanism is? I mean, I'll be honest, like, you know, Satanism can have elements of theatricality, absolutely, and sort of like the way that it can be a bit performative. Um, but a lot of that stuff is really informed by, you know, a sense of like outsidership that people have and an embracing of things that are rejected by popular culture. Um, it's a comfort, I think, like in those things, because I find that a lot of people who gravitate towards Satanism are you know, outsiders themselves or have experienced the ways in which the world doesn't work for them um, or the kind of hypocrisies that are rife, you know, within our um, social constructs. Zeke promotes the idea that Satanism is more a community for those either rejected or on the fringes of mainstream society rather than zealots subscribing to an evil dogma. Well, I mean, I feel like it's really important to say first and foremost that at Satanic Temple International, we are atheists, that we're not devil worshippers. We don't worship anything, you know, except for maybe the self. And also the practice of compassion is incredibly dear to us. Some of the things that we say in our initiation rituals when novices become members is the need to sort of sit with oneself and think about what it is in one's own life that one needs to change, if anything, wants to change. The assumption for many would be that followers of Satan glorify evil acts, at least for the shock factor as part of the culture, if not literally. How do you describe your organization and, you know, what you stand for, really? Well, I mean, with, like, all due respect to everybody, I think that we are a lot like anybody else who follows a philosophy. Um, I mean, probably a lot more comparable to Buddhists, you know, than anything else. And, I mean... There's no worship, you know, except for sort of worship of the self, and that worship is done through um, daily acts of charity and kindness to oneself. You know, I don't know about you, but I can speak personally. When I reflect back over some of, like, the greatest sort of, you know, crimes of injustice that I've ever committed, they've been ones against myself, like not forgiving myself for things. And, and those things can really distort the way that you feel about yourself, the way that you interact with the world. And, you know, it's so easy to isolate oneself, either emotionally or mentally or physically. Um, and those things just all feed into a sickness, a social sickness. Um, and I think that as Satanists, what we really want to do is, like, you know, reverse that. Um, it's very much a philosophy of the self about kind of a, a purity of the self in terms of being what is a natural state. People aren't born hateful. People aren't born with biases. You know, all of that stuff is, is acculturation. And the idea with Satanism, particularly our brand of Satanism, um, is to peel back a lot of that stuff and try and return to the best state that you can for living in your world in a way that you can experience abundance and joy and community. So we're not about the sacrificing of infants or the drinking of blood or anything like that. That's really silly. But 
there is, you know, the embracing that we do of some of these darker things as being, you know, fringe visuals or kind of um, signs and symbology. Um, We definitely do kind of embrace that, I think, just because of, you know, our collective outsider status. It appears that to identify with Satan is more about a philosophy of selfishness and being punk, of sticking two fingers up to the status quo, and with that, embracing what the establishment reviles. And so in the spirit of rituals, you know, you say, hail Satan. We do say hail Satan. So does that mean that you actually do hail the devil, the lord of the underworld, or is it, (laughs) or not? No, um, it really just means kind of like hail the self. So for Zeke and his like-minded community, this is a repurposed mantra or catchphrase. But are there people who genuinely hail Satan? There are different types of Satanists. I think it's probably important to say before you start getting death threats from some of these fringe satanic groups that are like, why are you disparaging my dark lord and master? Um, yeah, I don't want to like hide from the fact that like there is stuff out there that, you know, makes Satanism look bad. And, um, you know, and sometimes I wonder if we don't make ourselves look bad by being reticent to engage or, you know, whatever it is. Maybe the secrecy of it makes it look dark. But I mean, we do try and speak up about that and we do try and, you know, be open to people. But are there any sort of ad hoc or bad groups out there that you know of or are aware of? Uh, I'm going to say yes, but I mean, they're not. I don't think anybody is doing, like, rituals, like, blood rituals or sacrificial anything. So this idea of, you know, Illuminati groups actually murdering children and drinking blood. Yeah, I mean, none of that is real. None of that is real. There are people who have been Satanists that question our um, idea of fulfillment of the self through also helping other people, you know, because they have been more nihilistic. But those people tend to be, like, you know, guys in their 40s still living with their parents in the basement that are, like, keyboard warriors. Edgelords, as we like to call them. So Zeke feels that the existence of satanic covens and cults working tirelessly to rain down evil upon us just aren't real. But that doesn't mean there aren't individuals committing evil acts in the name of Satan. In Los Angeles today, the man police call the Night Stalker was formally charged with one of the 16 murders authorities claim he has committed. 25-year-old Richard Ramirez is innocent. You know, Richard Ramirez, who is a serial killer in California back in the 70s. And, you know, he said he was a Satanist. Um, So even though I don't think he actually had any kind of like affiliation, but I mean, people can be solitary practitioners. Um, It just means different things to different people. But can Satanism be the inverse? Not just doing evil, but willfully doing good. You've got the Catholic Church and the things that happen with them. I mean, the investigations now for, you know, child abuses. And, you know, I worked in the Bay Area in San Francisco at a time when there were contracts that were being bid for in public health. And I remember that Catholic charities would get um, these contracts to do prevention with people living with HIV. Um, And because condoms were against their belief system, the use of condoms was against their belief system, they would hide them from the people who needed them, even though money was earmarked to give condoms to people living with HIV. And so you would see throughout life and throughout history, you can look at these places with people who call themselves moral, you know, who claim to kind of have this moral authority. And and you see just what's really happening, um, which is that theology imposes its private will 
on secular society in a way that is unrealistic, in a way that has consequences and a cost, sometimes in terms of human life. And so when we see things like that, we feel it's unjust and it perpetuates. It continues. How many times are we going to see these things before we say this isn't working? So we feel that if these people can do terrible things in the name of God, that we can do amazing things in the name of Satan. What do you think that the sort of average God-fearing, you know, strongly held religious-beliefed person in the street thinks about Satanists? Oh, I mean, I'm sure that they think right away that, you know, they're evil and that we just want to create destruction on the planet and sell everybody's souls, something like that, I'm sure. Have you been accused of things like that before? I mean, we get people on the internet or, you know, people emailing us. What kind of stuff do they say? Occasional death threats. Um, yeah, very Christian, very Christian. Really love thy neighbor. And I, I wonder sometimes if people have even, like, looked at the website or, you know, read over our pillars. Because, you know, if they did, they would realize they have nothing to fear. Um, but, yeah, we get people kind of making accusations and people reaffirming their faith to us as though our existence somehow challenges their beliefs. Like my mama always said, focusing on somebody else's life is just another way to ignore taking care of your own. But if this is all merely an act of rebellion against normal, conventional society, why the need for satanic rituals then? I mean, we develop a lot of our own practices to suit our needs. Um, I always say that, you know, that ritual is a part of every day's life. You know, having a cigarette before your coffee, you know, is a ritual of comfort and routine. Looking both ways before you cross the street is a ritual in which you don't get hit by a fucking car. <laughs> you know, there's an outcome to be gained from it. And that's how it is for us. Um, most of our rituals are rituals of acceptance um, and inclusion. Um, they're very powerful. To be accepted into a family, to have people pledge their support to you, is a powerful, powerful thing. Hail Satan! Hail Satan! Hail Satan! Hail Satan! You know, the ritual, honestly, is my favorite part of it because you can really, for somebody who is not superstitious, like really feel that you can feel that energy. Um, it, it's a physical thing. Um, and it's a beautiful thing, and it generates a lot of goodwill. You know, we do initiations, we do some unbaptisms. Um, you know, one of the things that's done is, you know, people aren't really made to have a choice over what happens to their soul. We don't believe in any of that, but it can give people a sense of self, you know, or it can return a sense of self that they feel might be lost if they feel that their, you know, spirits were sort of given away by their parents or pledged to something that they didn't believe in. A lot of people have been born into a faith that they've realized doesn't work for them. Um, and it would be nice if people were able to make that choice. The foundation of Satanism is built on the self and in carrying out his work with humanity. This work is done when we give voice to the voiceless, when we challenge authoritarianism and injustice. So effectively, rituals are their celebrations. They're celebrations. They are also um, acknowledgments and a catharsis, um, you know, usually of some kind of like a hallmark 
of some sort, whether it be an initiation into a group or uh, whether it be a celebration of an event um, or, you know, a ritual of reclamation. You are here today of your own volition, having repudiated existing ties to fallacious systems of oppression, and it is your desire to renounce the spiritual servitude which was thrust upon you without consent? I am. I am. One aspect I struggle to understand is, if you are a kind person who cares about spreading goodness in this world, why use Satanism as that vehicle? Do you not think you're undermining your own effectiveness? Because Zeke the person, just as a, let's say you're a normal, everyday, functioning member of society, I'm not saying you're not, but would perhaps be able to bend the ear more with evidence and, you know, arguments to bring about change that are good, rather than Zeke the Satanist making that point. Well, I'll tell you, like, actually, Zeke the Satanist gets a lot more attention. And if people recoil, that's, we understand that that's part of the package. People are going to do that. Um, and then those who are a little bit more interested or maybe a little bit more ready will start to question those ideals a little bit more and maybe look a little bit further. It seems the growth of Satanism isn't just a UK or even Western phenomenon. How many Satanists do you think there are in the world? There's, oh, there's probably hundreds of thousands. And also, you know, you support membership and growth of the Satanic Temple International across the world. Yeah, you know. Australasia, the Middle East. How do you support that growth and you know would you call them sects chapters chapters yeah we have chapters that are there i mean we kind of like to think of ourselves as like open source satanism so if anybody wants to kind of create their own cell as it were to grow we have an infrastructure in place to give them the support and the tools by which to grow but it is very different in, in many places so the u.s how the u.s was different was that you know they have freedom of speech well you know which is a thing and um it's constitutionally enshrined. Some places don't have freedom of speech. Israel actually is a really peculiar one. Well, especially because it's the heart of the religious world. You know, one of the kind of beautiful things that we're hoping to kind of achieve there is more unity between uh, Muslims and uh, Israelis. Imagine that if it was Satan that brought them together. Well, why not? <laughs> why not? Satan, the great unifier. As of April 2019, there are still no distinct laws criminalizing satanic ritual abuse here in the UK. And in truth, there seems to be no hurried plans to introduce them. This doesn't dent Wilfred's passion or motivation, though. He says he will continue striving to have SRA recognized in law and to combat the shadowy figures in power who both perpetuate and cover up these despicable acts. His hope is that mainstream media will start taking these claims more seriously. Vicky is still a committed Christian and hopes her story of abuse and coming to terms with what happened to her can make her a beacon for others who have suffered and need a voice. Zeke and his satanic followers have recently undergone a name change to the Global Order of Satan and have just pioneered a local London campaign helping people get home safely following on from the late-night murder of a bartender. They are still committed to doing good deeds in the name of the Dark Lord, Satan. This episode was hosted and produced by me, Jake Warren, produced and edited by Sandra Ferrari, with additional production support from Thomas Griffin and original music by Matt Huxley. <laughs>